Timothy chapter 1 tonight, 2 Timothy chapter 1. We finished preaching through the first epistle of 1 Timothy. We're going to kick in at 2 Timothy tonight. It's been a wonderful day in the Lord. Amen? Amen. Well, I tell you what, that's a blessing. My land, that's a blessing. I tell you what, if you was here for the, hear the young people practicing tonight, that was a blessing. And I don't know what God's doing, but I'm just glad to be around and just watch it happen. Now, I've got an announcement to make, and you don't want to miss this. Next Sunday evening at 7 o'clock, out here in the tabernacle, we're going to have a fish fry. And so, Brother Lonnie is the coordinator and the chef, chief chef and all that kind of cooking bottle washer about it. And you want to have, he needs men with cookers. And church is going to buy all the, what that good kind of fish, whatever that is. Just go buy the best fish you can buy. And we're going to have, and, and uh, get with him and ask him what you need to bring. But we're going to have a fish fry next Saturday, Sunday night, 7 o'clock out here. And 6.30, Brother Dave's going to have all the kids out there. 6 o'clock, Dave's going to have all the kids out there practicing singing. Right, Dave? Amen. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we may join in to sing a little bit there while the fish is getting done. And you bring your lawn chair, we'll have a campfire and we'll have a good time in the Lord. Amen. So that's next Sunday night. So don't forget that. And uh, Brother Jay Fleetwood, you sorry, low down, worthless thing. Amen. You get to church next Sunday night. Get out of your backslidden condition. Yeah. Say amen, Sister Linda. Oh, the fear of God's in you, huh? <laughs> Brother Jay, we need your help cooking in fish. I don't care what kind of shape you're in. Anyway. Good to have with me tonight some really dear friends of mine, uh, Larry and Sue Cockman from, they're from somewhere. I don't know where y'all from. Donathan, Missouri. Well, that's, I thought you used to be from Donathan. I didn't, I thought maybe it was Cape Girardeau. Now, they're over here east in uh, wicked country. And, uh, but they're a little bit, they don't quite over here where people are spiritual, but they're pretty close. But no, they've been dear friends of mine. Uh, a lot of what goes on here at this church if I had the time to tell you, stems back to my fellowship and acquaintance with them uh, back in the early 80s. And God used those people in my life in a way that must be hard for you to believe. But I'm just a real joy to have them with us tonight. Second Timothy chapter 1. Boy, I tell you what, it seemed like, you know, everything goes downhill. About the time I get ready to preach, we reach the peak of the service. Then I have to preach and everything goes, zoom. Boy, that was good singing. I never heard that song before. I hadn't. Just, boy, that's a good song. Well, the Apostle Paul is <clears throat> addressing a, a young man in the ministry, Timothy. And he, boy, he covered so many subjects in 1 Timothy. And I just want to hit, if you'll look back in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and in verse number 20, before we jump into 2 Timothy. He says, Old Timothy, and you can just hear the heart of Paul said, Old Timothy. Now, what tonight's going to be is, a, is what I call pasture preaching. We're just going to graze through the scriptures, all right? I don't have no outline. I don't have no nothing. We're just going to go verse by verse, phrase by phrase. Thought, hopefully the Holy Spirit of God will feed us tonight. But he says, Old Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. That's quite a statement right there. Keep that which is committed to thy trust. You know, somebody's trusting you tonight. They're watching you. Somebody is hoping that you'll stay solid and sound and be what you claim to be. And uh, 
that you'll keep what's been committed to you. He said, avoid profane and vain babblings. And I want to just mention this before we go on. Oppositions of science, falsely so-called. Underline that in your Bible. Science, falsely so-called. God knew that Darwin would do his stupid stuff of evolution. And that really in America right now, it, everything that's supposed to be scientific is not science. Yeah, right. And it's science falsely so-called. It's not true. Science, is, science deals in facts and truth right. and verities. But uh, he told Timothy, he said, Timothy, he said, you be careful about this science that's not really science. Evolution is a science falsely so-called. It is not science at all. It is, is a religion and a philosophy and a theory that is easily disproved except to an unbelieving heart. And verse 21 is an interesting thing, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. How many Christians across America have now, uh, uh, C.I. Schofield believed in theistic evolution? See, he, he professed faith. But, you know, what I'm saying, it tells you right there, it's going to be people profess to be Christians, not going to believe the Bible. Well, let's jump into 2 Timothy now. He said, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, Lord, I need your help tonight. Pray that you just use me. I want to humble myself under your mighty hand. Lord, without you, we can do nothing. And I just pray, God, that you'd help in some fashion tonight that through this, the word, the word of God, that these people would be fed and strengthened and give sustenance and wisdom and strength, Lord, for the journey. We do thank you, Lord, that those camels of grace are carrying us through. You want to deliver us to the Savior in good shape. And Lord, tonight, we just thank you for your grace. Now help me, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. And I'll be honest with you, if we don't have the promise of life, we don't have nothing. But he has given us life. He's given us life eternal, life abundantly, and it's the life of Christ Jesus. Please understand tonight, if you're listening to me or you're here, that the life that we preach here is not some religious life. It's a life of a person. It's his life in and through us. He lives in us, and it's his life. It's not a set of rules. It's not a religion. It's not a bunch of uh, <clears throat> rituals. It's just the life of Christ. And set, verse number two, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son. <clears throat> Grace, and this is always how Paul does it. Grace first, mercy, and then peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. He said, I thank God whom I serve for my forefathers. Underline forefathers. What is your forefathers? Some of you in here may have had godly forefathers. Some of you may not have had. But I was very blessed in that I've had some godly forefathers. <clears throat> I want to say something to you tonight. Across America, there's a discussion about CRT, critical race theory. And involved in that, if you've looked at it any, it's a debasement and an attack upon the founders of this nation. In fact, the news media and the uh, leftists and progressives like to talk about those old white men, those old white slaveholding white men. And they mock them and they deride them and they run them down. Well, I want to tell you flat-footed tonight, I am thankful for the founding fathers of this nation. Amen. They weren't all Christians, but I'll tell you what they did. They all pretty well had a respect for God. And uh, I'll tell you what they did. They put in there being endowed by our creator. Amen. That's Genesis 1.1. That's a statement that they accepted the Bible as a rule of life and practice of life. And I thank God for our founders. Amen. I don't want one young person in this church to believe the lie that's being perpetrated on this nation about the founding fathers of this nation. Let me just tell you something tonight. We're the only nation I know that's having to try to keep people from coming in illegally. Amen. 
I ain't seen anybody trying to bust into Russia. I don't see anybody rushing the fence trying to get into Mexico. It's a bunch of junk. And I'm telling you, I'm glad that we had forefathers who had churches and the schools and the schools were the churches and the churches were the schools. And that's how America was founded. Harvard and Yale and Princeton, all of those places were started upon Christian principles and dedicated to the Lord Jesus Christ. You can read it. You can read their commitment that they made when they started those. Now, certainly it's deteriorated and godlessness and, uh, and so forth. But I tell you, I'm thankful for my forefathers. I'm glad somebody uh, carried the Bible in the Ozarks. I'm glad somebody started churches and built churches and somebody pastored churches. Somebody had Bible schools and revival and camp meetings and, and Brush Harbor revivals and so forth. And I'm glad somebody, our forefathers, carried the gospel. And I want to ask you something. Are you going to be a forefather that carries them? If Jesus tarries, can it be said of you that you were a forefather who carried the gospel to them and left the gospel message to descendants that you don't even know yet? That you, may, you probably won't even see but they'll be descendants of yours. Are they going to know that you were a forefather or a foremother that carried the gospel and carried the word of God to those generations? It's incumbent upon you and I to remember where we came from and, and to establish that, uh, her, that heritage. And I'm thankful for my heritage. One of the things that I remember, and I've, I've heard my aunts and uncles talk about my grandmother Rhodes quite a bit over the years. But I can particularly remember she had five sons in World War II and two son-in-laws all at the same time. Seven, two son-in-laws and five sons in World War II both on the European continent and in uh, the Pacific front. And my mom said that she would be cooking on her wood cook stove and said she had an apron and said there'd just be occasions where a spirit of prayer would come upon her and she would take her apron and do her hands like that, put it down and said she just walked straight to her bedroom, shut the door behind her and said, Get, and, you, and you could hear her praying for them boys by name. And she just felt impressed by the, you know what, are we so busy we can't do that? We're so busy we can't quit cooking and cleaning and working and stuff and go pray. And, uh, and everything I ever heard about my grandmother, which this is Mother's Day, everything I ever heard about my grandmother Rose, that she is a woman of prayer, that she prayed, she prayed, she prayed, she prayed. And if I was to tell you tonight the descendants and the people that's, that's been called into ministry and the effect of that woman's spiritual uh, heritage it, 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 I, could do it, I could do a drawing up here. I could show you the descendants. I could show you from her. And I want to tell all of you ladies tonight, mothers and dads, it's going to make a difference whether you stay faithful to God, whether you, uh, whether you are that, that which has been committed to your trust. <clears throat> he said, I thank God whom I serve for my forefathers with pure conscience. I'll tell you about Christianity. I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, that pricks my conscience. And when I sin, deals with me. And God wants you and I to have a pure conscience and a clear conscience. God wants us to be free. He doesn't want us to be laid down with guilt and shame and, and hiding and hypocrisy and that kind of thing. He wants us to have a pure conscience. <clears throat> Paul knew that Timothy would need these things. That without ceasing, I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. I'm not a big Facebook fan, but I will say there's some things that I don't really, I think what happens is you gravitate to the kind of people that, you know, evidently, because a lot of people send prayer requests across. And I, I'm going to tell you something, I don't think it's right for you to say on Facebook that you're going to pray for somebody if you're not going to pray for them. 
I don't think it's right to type in there, I'll pray, and if you're not going to pray for those people. And I've made up my mind. I'm not typing. The fact of it is, I kind of got to where I don't even type it in sometimes. Just pray for them and go on. They don't, it, you know, it's fine. I want encouragement and all that. But I don't have to say I'm praying. I'm not saying don't do that. It's an encouragement to people. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying I'd rather pray and not put a comment than put a comment and not pray. And he said there, he said, I, I, he said, without ceasing, I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Now, we've got some young men, some men here in this church that's called to ministry. They need your prayers. I need your prayers. I want to tell you this much, and I, and I say this with humility and with gratefulness in my heart. <clears throat> when I started preaching, I don't understand it, but I would go somewhere and preach, and somebody would walk up to me and say, Reggie, I don't know why, but God's put on my heart to pray for you every day. This has happened hundreds of times. I'm talking hundreds of times. People have contacted me and said, Reggie, God's just put on my heart to pray for you. I want to tell you this much. I think there's more of a spiritual warfare going on in the, in the, in the air than you think there is. And if the Holy Spirit puts on your heart to pray for one of these men, you pray for them. Please pray for them. That Satan's going to attack them every way that he can. And Paul realized this and he said, I remember to pray for you. Prayer is the most powerful weapon, I believe, that we have outside the Word of God. But without prayer, nothing's going to happen. And I tell you what, I just want to encourage all of us to remember one another in prayer. The Bible said, pray one for another. You know what? <clears throat> Churches need good preaching, but good preaching is not going to make a church. A church needs good singing, and we're getting better all the time. Amen. Now, I'll tell you what, I appreciate it. But good singing is not going to make a church. But I tell you what will make a church, and that's praying. Praying. And when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou shut the door, pray to thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. I don't understand all about prayer, why some prayers are answered when I like them and some are not. I don't understand about it, but I'm still going to pray. But I want to tell you, this whole ministry, this whole work is upheld by prayer. And I want to encourage this church to pray. And then he said this, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. Why was Timothy crying? I think that'd be a good message. But I believe that Paul saw a burden in Timothy. Now, I want to tell you this much. <clears throat> I do not, I, I, there was a time when I started preaching, I couldn't hardly preach without crying. And then I got to where I could preach and not cry at all. And then I asked God to bring me back to a balance. But I won't be honest with you, I wouldn't give you much for a preacher that don't know how to have a burden and tears for the lost. Amen. I believe Paul was so thankful that Timothy had tears. That he cared about people's lives. He cared about their souls. He cared whether people died and went to hell or not. And tears are good for us. Somebody has said God washes the soul with our tears. God says he puts our tears in the bottle. God cares about your tears. Tears are an expression in the heart. Now, I, I realize that tears can be used falsely and fakely and all that kind of stuff. I'm not talking about that. But Paul was mindful of his tears and that I may be filled with joy. And Paul was filled with joy that there was somebody that cared about lost people. I, um, I'll say tonight that uh, I've, I've over the and I know a lot of guys have been over there, but Brother Terry seemed like was one of the men back years, years ago who had a heart to go over to jail. Now, jail's nasty. Jail stinks. Jail's filthy. I never, I never liked going in there until after I got in there and the Lord started working. And you forget about the stench. You forget about all that stuff. And many men have joined Terry and going. But I want to tell you this much. Uh, 
We need people that care about souls. And I'm going to ask this church tonight to do something. I'm going to ask you this week to start thinking about the people you're meeting, the people you're working with, the people you're working for, the people that's working with you. Have you talked to them about their soul? Do we have a burden for souls? If we're not careful, we just, I, I know this myself, I just get busy and I, I, I you know, I, I, that's not that I don't care maybe, but I don't really have the burden I need to have. Every person you're meeting is going to spend eternity somewhere. And I want to give you a lead question tonight in, in, in getting and caring about people's soul. And that is just ask them, have you ever thought much about where you're going to spend eternity? Most people will not get offended at that. Now, it's not that we're afraid to offend them, but we don't want to intentionally offend them. But here's what I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to get this question down in your heart. Have you ever thought much about where, Bill, have you ever thought much about where you're going to spend eternity? Lady, have you ever thought much about where you're going to spend eternity? If you did nothing else, you made them think about it. If they don't, if, if you don't get one step further, you've made them think about it. And you'd be surprised how many people are, may say, you know, I've thought a lot about it. Well, do you know where you're going to spend eternity? Second question. Well, no, I'm not sure. I hope to go to heaven. Well, could I tell you how you can be sure? Now, you're going to have to know some verses, and you're going to have to know how yourself. You can't tell somebody how to get someplace you don't know how to get to yourself. Amen? And you ain't been. So I'd encourage you, but ask God to give you a burden for souls. Amen. Ask him to give you to care about people. Then he said this, when I call to remembrance, verse number five, the unfeigned faith, underline unfeigned faith in your Bible. That means not fake, not hypocritical, not phony, not put on. Paul was deeply appreciative of the unfeigned faith that was in this young man. He hadn't, he hadn't, he hadn't uh, moved with the crowd. He hadn't moved with the group. He wasn't moved by the emotion. His faith was real. And of course, I, I wanted to preach on this. I d- didn't get to, but he said that unfeigned faith. And I just want to ask us tonight, uh, how many, is there, I, I bet everybody's, how many of you here hates your own hypocrisy? Um, that's one reason I love the message that I preached so much this morning, because I'm going to heaven. It's just going to be by grace. It's not been because I, I, I wasn't hypocritical or inconsistent. And if we want to, we can all pick out things in our lives that are not consistent. We haven't lived up to what we claimed or professed or we failed some areas. But I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think that's the criteria for unfeigned faith. Unfeigned faith is if you don't care about it and it doesn't bother you. Unfeigned faith is even when you've sinned, you don't turn away from God. You just fall at the mercy seat and say, God, I, I've sinned. I need help. Unfeigned faith is when it all goes south and goes crazy and this way and that way and it's not working out and, and it's not turning out like you thought it would be, but you just still love the Lord. Unfeigned faith is whenever you can say with Job, yea, though he slay me, yet will I serve him. I had a man call me today and he's just concerned about, Reggie, why doesn't God answer this prayer? You know, this is God's will. I know it's God's will. It's God's will for people to be saved. And why isn't God doing this? I don't know. But I just know this, that we need unfeigned faith. We need real faith that no matter what happens, we still believe God. God never answers another one of my prayers. He's still God. 
if everything goes south from here to, to the time I die, he's still God. Amen. Unfeigned faith. It's not a put on. It's not a fake. It's not a phony. I'm going to tell you right now, people are looking across America and around the world for people that have an unfeigned faith. It's not a joke. It's not a put on. It's not something you learn how to do in church and how to act and how to look and all this kind of stuff. They're looking for somebody who's got something real down inside. And they're not looking for sinless, perfect people that never do anything wrong. They're looking for people who, when they've done wrong, will acknowledge it, be honest about it, and, and deal with it right scripturally and get on down the road. Unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother, Lois. Boy, oh boy, wouldn't you like to know Lois? Now, let me tell you something. There is something to this thing of your faith being carried on to your descendants. And I don't know whether, I don't, I don't know how Paul knew all these people and all this about it, but I tell you right now, there were some women that had a mighty influence on this young man. And to be honest about it, there's a reason we have Mother's Day. Mothers have an unbelievable influence on their children. They say that in World War II and World War I, I, you know, I don't know this, but just what I've read over time is that if a, if a soldier was wounded, mortally wounded, and he was still talking to the medic, and the medic could still talk to him and other soldiers maybe give him out, the last thing he would say is, Mama. One of his last words would always be, Mama. There's something about the influence of mother. And I want to say to the mothers of this church, this church would never be what it is without the influence of godly mothers. Timothy would not have been what he was without a godly grandmother and a godly mother. And I want to tell you, we need you and we need you bad. We need you to have unfeigned faith. We need you to walk with God. And we just need you. And I'll tell you, I want to encourage you mothers. You may not see it, but I tell you what, I believe God will reward faithfulness in a mother and a grandmother. And there may be descendants of yours that will be serving the Lord that you have no earthly idea about at this point in life. Be faithful. Be faithful. He said, I'm persuaded that in thee also. And he said, verse number six, wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Now, uh, that gift of God, uh, it, it could have been the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the ability, the capability to serve the Lord, to preach the word of God. I'm, you know, it, it could have been those things. I'm, I'm not sat here and say the detail about it, but I will tell you this much that that gift is the imparting of the grace of God being able to do. I didn't think I could preach. I, I, honest to goodness, I said, man, I could never preach. And I'll be honest with you, the load that sometimes you carry in pastor stuff, you can't do it on your own. It's the gift of God, that grace that God gives us day by day. And, and he said there, I put in remembrance, and we need to remember some things. Amen. That He said, that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands and the power. That, and then he moves into this verse, and I want to move it because there's something here connected. He said, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear. If there's anything that describes preachers in America today, it's the spirit of fear. Afraid to say things. Afraid to tell the truth, afraid to say straight, gun barrel straight, here's how it is. And um, I'm telling you, if you're going to be in the ministry, this is something Paul knew he had to deal with right now. Before I ever surrendered to preach, I knew this was a major deal in my life because I had sat in church all my life and I had keenly observed that preachers would not say specific things that they knew might not go well. And they just kind of preached these little boxed-in sermons that never addressed the issues that were going on. 
And, you, and I was, now the Bible said, the fear of man bringeth a snare. 500 times in the Bible, God says not to fear, not to be afraid. And I'm telling you right now, Paul's letting Timothy know something. If you're going to be in the ministry, you can't be afraid of people. You cannot be afraid of people. And you don't want to let that spirit of fear rule your life. Fear will paralyze you, cripple you, just torment you. And here's a problem about our fear is that fear, the fear is greater than the love because 1 John 4:18 says that perfect love casteth out fear. I want to tell you young people something here. You don't need to be afraid of anybody but God Almighty and your dad and mom. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you don't fear other kids what they think about you. If we can get this going in this church that you don't, you're not afraid of what the boys think about you. And you're not afraid of what the girls think about you. You're, what you're concerned is about fearing God, just live for God. If they like you, they like you. If they don't like you, they don't like you. Tough luck. Amen. Amen. But I'm not afraid. I don't live in fear of, of you. Your approval or disapproval or acceptance or non-acceptance doesn't affect me. But it seems like America's got a spirit of fear on the church has a spirit of fear. They don't want to tell the truth to the nation. I mean, it's just, it's just everywhere. The spirit of fear, afraid of saying things that are true. And they've got us cowed down by telling us that we're bigots, telling us we're intolerant, telling us we're prejudiced, telling us we don't love nobody. And we don't want to be, oh, I don't want to be you know, called that. Average American is afraid of being called a racist like it's the worst thing in the world you could be called. I don't think you'll be called. I don't think you'll be erased either. It depends on what you're going to what you're going to define that as. Okay, but I'm going to tell you something right now. When people start controlling you by you being afraid of being called something, I mean, it's just it's just everywhere. This fear of man, and he said, God has not given us the spirit of fear. And I want to encourage you. What God has sustained me with all these years, Isaiah forty-one ten, fear thou not. For I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. And the next verse says, Behold, all they that were incensed against thee shall be ashamed and confounded, and they shall be as nothing. God burned it into my heart. Reggie, I don't want you afraid of nobody. And a lady this past week who, I, all I did was share a, a, uh, an article. I didn't comment on it or nothing. I shared an article that Kirk Cameron put out about the schools, public schools being public, public schools being public enemy number one. And he's got a movie coming out about it. And this lady gets on and she just, you know, starts saying on me. And, I, and pretty soon it kept going there. And some of you know about it. I've seen some of you comment. I appreciate that. But the whole deal pretty soon you could pick up was this deal. They just can't believe that I'm not cowed down by the public school crowd. They can't believe that a preacher would have uh, love God enough and love the Bible enough to preach on what's wrong with public education in this country. I'm going to tell you something. It has destroyed this nation. Whether you like that or don't like it, I'm sorry. I can't help it. You take it up with God. Don't take it up with me. Brother Phil's taking all your complaints tonight. He's answering all your questions. But they want to cow you down. Denominational hierarchies. They want to put fear in their preachers. You won't get to preach nowhere. You won't get a church. You, mark, you, you, you cow down, lick our boots, or you won't preach nowhere. Churches. Men go in to take churches. The first thing you know, the, the, the power crew comes in. 
Yeah. This ain't going to be preached here and this not going to be done here and this not going to be done here and this not going to be done here and you just bow down and we're going to tell you what you can preach here and what you can't preach and we're going to tell you how the cow ate the cabbage. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Craziness. Lord, help me. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power. What kind of power? Not that kind of power. The power of love. Sound mind. Power of truth. Truth's got power in it. Truth's got power in it. God, I'll tell you something. If you get, first of all, you need to have, get the spirit of fear out of you. You know what you got to do? You got to get to where you, your own family they don't scare you. Amen. You're going to stand for what's right? No matter. Yeah. But what happens with that is, this, but he said the spirit that God has given us is the spirit of power. Jesus said, all power is given to me in heaven and earth. He said, go and preach the gospel to the world. He said, I'm going to send my power with you. And that's the power of truth. It's the power of the word of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of righteousness. The power of righteousness is powerful. If you don't think it is, just get it somewhere where everybody's, where everybody's drinking and say, I don't drink. Why? How come you don't drink? I love Jesus. I don't think he'd like it. That's got power. That's got power in it. Amen. You don't go along with the world. It's got power. Righteousness has power in it. That's why they don't want it. This Bible, this Bible scares people. It's got power in it. I've always thought I'd love to go on the view or, or for some stupid hell, hell. I mean, that's just like walking into Bowles Hill. I'd like to take a great big old black King James Bible with me, just flop it down on the table and say, how y'all doing today? Yeah. Well, they wouldn't have that. They're scared of this thing. Yeah. They're scared of it. Anyway, and uh, power and of love and of sound mind. Well, I'll tell you what, we need to, have, we need to love people. Amen. Amen. You got to love people. And a sound mind. I'm going to tell you something tonight. God, this Bible will give you a sound mind. Right. Somebody said, what's a st- sound mind? Stable thinking. Horse sense. Yeah. <laughs> Stable thinking. Horse sense. Uh, uh, God's, word, God's Word will clear your thinking up. Make, make your thinking right, like it ought to be. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I want to encourage you. How many ever felt spiritual warfare to such an extent that there seemed like it was just confusion in the air? Stuff going on. I mean, this is happening. This is happening. This is happening. It's just like, man, live. I'm in the fog of war. I want to. That's when you need a sound mind. If you're not careful, you make decisions in the fog of spiritual warfare. That are. It's just like if if Satan attacks me. I mean, just comes at me and comes at me, and all this is going on. This stupidity, and then here comes something from the left hand. Here comes something from the back. Here comes. Something, and if I ain't careful, I'm man. I don't want out of here. You'll make decisions in the fog of war that you regret later. You don't spook. Let me just tell you something. You always want to ask yourself, would I be a good man for my brother to be in the foxhole with? I don't need some idiot that's going to cringe up in the foxhole and go, Aah! I don't need somebody in the foxhole who's going to jump up and run over into the enemy lines and throw up his hand, white flag and surrender and say, I don't want you to kill me. I need a man who'll be calm and steady, but fight the fight and stay in there if it means we're going to die in there. I need a man with a sound mind. And God works in the mind. And I'm telling you, the Bible will give you a sound mind. I don't need a bunch of stupidity. Amen. I don't need a bunch of pills either. 
I don't need a shrink either. Amen. Amen. I've got I've got a counselor. Amen. Sound mind. America ain't got. I'll tell you, talk about stupid mind. I mean, one week they can't define a woman. The next week it's woman's rights. I mean, <laughs> they're, they're crazy. They're reprobate. Everything's backward. Time magazine puts on a sodomite man, woman of the year. State of Oregon just started putting women's hygiene feminine products in the boys' bathrooms in all the public schools in the state of Oregon. Yeah. Crazy. Beyond, their mind's messed up. You think it's hard to kill a baby in the womb? Your mind's messed up. You don't have a sound mind. I got to get off of that. Y'all believe that anyway, don't you? Amen. Amen. Well, I'll tell you what it's 751. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. How many has ever been in a spot? Now, this is kind of funny. You folks online, you, you may not understand this. How many has ever been kind of shamed because you went to church here? Not saying you're ashamed. I was saying they tried to see if you were ashamed. You go down there. You listen to me. If you read this book through, you're going to find out Paul's going to say in verse number, in verse number 15, thou, this thou knowest that all that which were in Asia be turned away from me. You get over in chapter 4, Paul says, all men forsook me. I won't tell you what I want. I'm talking about, you know what Paul's dealing with? He's trying to get Timothy at. Timothy? Stand for what's right, do what's right, and don't let nobody make you ashamed of what you believe and what you stand for. Now, you listen to me. I'm not ashamed of what this Bible teaches. And we've got a few things in this church that makes us maybe a little bit peculiar to some people out there, but I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed to raise my children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and I'm not ashamed that they don't, that I haven't let them go, let the government have them. I'm not ashamed that I've preached modesty here at this church and that I've preached that men ought to dress like men and act like men and women ought to dress like women and, they ought to dress, and all of us ought to dress modestly and dress, dress biblically. I'm not ashamed of that. Amen. I'm not ashamed of standing against sodomites and all that kind of stuff. I'm not ashamed of standing by the King James Bible. I'm not ashamed of it. Amen. And I ain't letting nobody cow me down. Amen. And this is what Paul's saying. He know what he's saying? Timothy, get your mind made up. What, he said, you get straight, get a sound mind, keep love in it, but don't you let nobody cow you down. Don't you be ashamed. Because I'm going to tell you, the people got where there's a shame to be hooked up with Paul. Are you listening? Yeah. yeah. They got shame. They got to where they, I, you know, Apostle Paul? Well, yeah, I, I went to a meeting he had when he was back here. How, how well, you know, I don't know him real well. Kind of off the wall crazy. I mean, man, that guy, he's, he's radical. Did you know, I don't know, if the, I don't know if there's a church in America. I mean, could we handle the Apostle Paul if he came? Could we handle the, John the Baptist? Did you know the raw truth that is? Some people think I preach hard. I don't. There are two or three areas where I'm still a sissy that I haven't preached on. Be not, verse number, thou, therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. 
ask you kids something, you young people. Are you ashamed for your peers of your, the faith that your mom and dad is raising you in? Yeah. <clears throat> Watch this. I'll pull this out. Can I use your family? How old are you now, sister? Huh? Thirteen. Thirteen. Where do you go to school at? What did you say? Home. Home? Oh, my. Do you want me to call social services for you? <laughs> did you say you go to school at home? You mean you don't go to school? Are you listening? Did you realize your mom and dad is sheltering you and you don't know what life's going to be like? You're going to get out of here and you don't even know what's going on in this world. And I'll tell you what's going on. They're going to try to shame you kids. They're going to try to make you feel ashamed that your mom and dad home educated you. They're going to make you feel ashamed that you went to Christian school. That lady on that, on that comment deal, and I hope you listen to this, ma'am. She said, you homeschoolers and history educators, you're just sheltering your kids and they don't know what, they're not going to know what life's about. But here's the raw truth about it. They're going to try to make you ashamed of your raising. They're going to try, and if the best they can do, they'll keep your mouth shut about it. If you're not ashamed, you're like, at least you won't, you're not, really won't want anybody to know. Oh, let me throw a curveball at you kind of interesting to see kids who grew up in this church, the ones who'll admit that they went to school here and the ones who won't. They'll put down their deal about where they I'm on Anna Dean. Uh, you know, have you I'm going to tell you probably, if you don't want to, if you're, if you're afraid to admit where you go to church and where you, and you're your home educator Christian school, you've got some serious problems. The game is going to get on for you, you little sissy. I want to tell you kids something. You ought to thank God Almighty and put a big smile on your face and a happy heart in you and say, bless God Almighty. I'm thankful for what God's done in my life. I'm thankful for for what's going on. I'm not ashamed. But see, it's got to be more than that. You've got to move it past your family. You've got to move it up. I'm not ashamed of the Bible. I'm not ashamed of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of the truth. I'm not ashamed to say that I need Jesus. I'm not ashamed to say that I was lost and headed to hell. I'm not ashamed that I'm a Christian. I'm not ashamed of what I believe. The thing that makes me sick in this country, the people being ashamed of their Christian faith. So they, so they fix it up so it kind of fits into the culture. Anyway, so get your songbooks out. I'm done.